Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. We're back, guys of a certain age. Robbie Koblenz in studio, joined alongside Art Shirley and a special guest, George Abide, the man abides in person. George, great to have you here. Thank you. Way better to be here in person than on the phone, especially well, when it's zero degrees. <laughs> you might home. want to wait until you've been <laughs> here for a while. Yeah. Sorry, Mrs. Reed. Jay's not here. So, hey, Jay, we still love you. And lunch was great, by the way. Thanks for uh, not being there. I guess. Yikes! Yikes! Mm-hmm. Ouch! But anyway, uh, George, you were saying, great to be here. Yeah, this Jay, is I'll how this tr- works. I'll try not to mess up your headset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So George is in position three there. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about Jay, but we may we may jump on a couple things on the backside. Let's do geeks of the week. What do you have, Mister Shirley? All right, I uh, just saw yesterday that my favorite Star Trek movie, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Is I mean, coming out in does, theaters again to celebrate the 40th anniversary. Does of anybody have any other favorite Star Trek movie than two? I can't imagine that they do. I mean, it's. I mean, I liked four quite a bit, but two yeah, is by four, far the best. Four is probably the one that would be the the second. Yeah, I know a lot of people like four. So but, uh, that's the one with the whales. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so that's a good one. But uh, two is just two is just a good movie. It it really was probably the spirit of the original series yeah. extrapolated a- after out. they had done Star Trek the motion picture, which was trying to be a two thousand and one, <sighs> you know, uh, V'ger. Yeah, V'ger. Uh, to meet know, the maker, <laughs> Star Trek two comes out, and it really it really captured the whole the whole feeling of Star Trek a lot better. So if you think back at that time period, you have Empire Strikes Back, which mm-hmm. is the second. Which is arguably, I think, better than Star Wars right. and New Hope, even though you. I, my favorite's still New Hope. Yeah. But but it it is equal or or yeah. better than. And that's the, the thing about a sequel. Usually, if you even think it's as good, it's really better. Yeah. You know? So same thing with Star Trek Two. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And potentially Rocky Two. Do you think Rocky Two was better than the original Rocky? God. It was really good. Godfather Two. Did you watch Godfather? Godfather Two is probably considered better than Godfather One. Yeah. What do you think, George? I, I was not a big Godfather fan, so I, I'm not qualified to speak on that. I always felt like I was in the Godfather when I was in the uh, in the in the Abides home growing up because they had pictures and they were brothers and Wow. Yeah. George Did they make they George make you, Fredo. Oh, oh. <laughs> the, the so I was kind of Robert Duvall. <laughs> I was you were the, the concierge? Yeah, Con- that's concierge. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, but not a wartime concierge. No, no. Did, I need did, to go watch Godfather now. You do? Did yeah. they make you an offer you couldn't refuse? Yeah, they did, actually. Wow. And yeah. then you left. Uh-huh. He did that's leave right. town I, in the middle of the school year. That's right. <laughs> well, I woke up with a horse's head in my bed. Oh. <laughs> I mean, would you not have noticed somebody was hey, putting a big so. bloody head yeah, in you, your bed? You would think so. Wow. Spoiler alert for if you haven't seen Godfather yet. So, But you were saying Star Trek Two is to celebrate the 40th anniversary. Yeah, 40th anniversary coming out in theaters. And I can remember seeing Star Trek Wrath of Khan. I don't know if it was the first time. I think it may have been the first time. And it was down in the DeVille Theater in Jackson. Do you remember the DeVille Theater oh, in Jackson? Sure. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Great. You know, large screen. Just a wonderful theater going experience. And... um and we saw it down there, and it was just, you know, again, phenomenal to me. It was really, uh, it really, you know, held its own in terms of uh, science fiction movies in general, but just just a good movie, I thought. There was a Swenson's ice cream parlor next to the to the DeVille Theater. You remember that? Yes. Yeah. And DeVille Camera came in at the same. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sure did. Okay. Wow. 
Yeah, ice cream, food, and cameras. Good That's times. what it all means. So awesome. Is it going to be anywhere close to here? I don't I mean, even know. I mean, you know, a lot of times when they do these re-releases, we don't get them. They're just a very limited uh, release. It's a part of uh, Turner Classic Movie, Movies Fathom events, and we haven't gotten any of those. So, so sometimes those will go to Tupelo. Okay, well, I'll check Tupelo. Uh, because I know Casablanca Phantom. probably was in Tupelo. There was some Doctor Who stuff that uh, the 50th anniversary, some of the Phantom events ended up there. Okay. So, And that's all we're going to mention about Doctor Who today. Oh, right? of course not. Oh. Yeah. Well, what's your Geek of the Week then? My Geek of the Week is a rumor that's making the uh, the rounds in the fandom. Um, of course, as, as I've talked about before, uh, Chris Chibnall is leaving Doctor Who's showrunner and Jodie Whittaker is leaving as the 13th Doctor at the end of 2022. There'll be, I think, four specials. Uh, that will three or four specials that will debut throughout the year that'll get you to the end of Jody Whitaker's reign as the 13th doctor. Um, and Russell T Davies who resurrected the show in 05 for, for BBC is coming back to be showrunner, which is kind of unheard of once you're showrunner and once you're a doctor, an actor playing the doctor, you never come back unless it's a special occasion, yeah. like a 50th anniversary. Uh-huh. Well, the rumor that's making the uh, the rounds is in 2023, which will be the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. The first broadcast was November of 63. There's talk of uh, kind of a limited series, not a full episode run, but uh, maybe four or five specials that would run through the entire year of 2023 that they would bring back David Tennant, who was the ninth Doctor. Ah. And so he would be regenerating into the 14th Doctor and have some mystery. He so bringing to, him back for a season. For for almost a season. Oh, but yeah, but yeah. for an extended stay, yeah. I suppose, just a... Yeah, okay. but he would not be reprising his role as the 10th Doctor. He would he be the 14th. A, he would be the 14th. Okay. So kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it does have a little bit of precedent, precedence in the Doctor Who universe because what's happened is... Uh, uh, actors who have made guest star roles on Doctor Who have come back to be the Doctor. Yeah. So Colin Baker played in uh, the in, in the Peter Davison era. He was in an episode. Peter Capaldi, who was the twelfth uh, Doctor, was in an episode during uh, David Tennant's run. So, or maybe it was Matt Smith. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Anyway, so that's the rumor du jour that's uh, that's happening. I don't see it happening, but uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh. I didn't even see that I did that. Yeah. There I just go. noticed George is also politely nodding, as does Jay, but he could care less. I know less <laughs> about Doctor less. Who than Jay does. Wow. Ooh, that's saying something. Wow. <laughs> that is saying something. Robbie, I'm a food scientist, not an escalator. <laughs> <laughs> I that, just appreciate the, the fact that uh, I'm not the only one here that was alive in 1963. That's right. Yeah. Because I was not. I was negative <clears throat> seven. Okay. At that point. So, George, you got a geek? You want to comment? Or? I am the geek of the week. Oh. Ooh, there you go. Eat your heart out, Jay. You see what I did there? We're going to talk a little food with the food scientist. Are you like a Doc Brown type of mad food scientist? How would you, if you were going to, you know, claim a a science a scientist in science fiction or a geekdom? What would you be the closest? That implies to? I know something about science fiction. <laughs> Come on. So, you know, I'm... Who, who, who would you put him up as? Uh, or who would you compare Dr. Abide to? Talk, Dr. Abide. Um, I don't know. Not a mad scientist, certainly. Dr. Uh, Quinn Medicine Woman? Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. There we go. That's wow. making me very uncomfortable. Uh, who was also. the country doctor? Thanks for the chicken guy. Maybe that was... Uh... I don't know. I don't know who that was. It was a TV show. I forget the guy's name, but he worked with rural 
this was back in pioneer oh, days. Oh, oh, they yeah, didn't have yeah. money to pay him, so he said thanks for the chicken. Oh, I yeah. vaguely recall that. This seems like it was a CBS series yeah. sometimes in the late eighties, mid to late eighties. I'm I'm the forgettable guy. Oh. No, that, no, that I was Jay. I don't think yeah. that's right. But oh. um, wow. anyway. <laughs> okay. But you know, we did George the, the serial the serial killers episode. That's we right. We did from yeah. uh, remotely, and I think we had some technical challenges so being here in studio with you guys is just way better it's amazing isn't it way better yeah we went to uh we went to the genesis location you know talking star trek that's right right. of guys of a certain age we went to the stagger Inn for for oh yes on on george's tour of startful and uh I mean, George knows Starkville. He was he went to yeah. school here, but George knew Starkville. I know old yeah. Starkville. Yeah. I don't know current Starkville. Yeah. It's uh, it's quite a bit different. I mean, when right. I was here, Stark Vegas was said as sort of an insult. Yeah, boy, I tell you, we didn't even take him by the Stark Vegas sign. Yeah. You know, uh, painted hit that the way out. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, we're gonna come back with George. He's gonna give us all kinds of food insight. You know, maybe real stuff that Jay doesn't know, and you know, there'll be a test later, Jay. After this. And we're back with the Jayless episode. We've swapped in George A. By for Jay Reed. Sorry, Mrs. Reed. But maybe George cooks a little bit better, you think? I don't know. I don't know. I've heard good things about Jay's cooking. Jay's so cooking's pretty good. I want to try it out someday, Jay. Yeah, thanks for being here, Jay. We really appreciate it. Way to support the home team there. So, Wow. All right. We Art. only have guests, and now this is what happens. That's what happens. Okay, so Art, you want to set up the second half? He's your friend. Oh, okay. I thought I was your friend too, Robbie. Oh, yeah, I guess so. You're closer to Art. Uh, yeah, true. That's yeah. true. Longer, longer. Longer time. Yeah, no, there you go. Longer. There that's you right. go. All right, so we were talking over lunch, and you've got all these secrets, George, of the food industry. Oh, maybe. I mean, this kind of all started. But you a, can divulge. Yeah, a post I made on Facebook a couple weeks ago about just taking a handful of Skittles and microwaving them for 15 seconds just makes them better. You know, they yeah. get a little softer, the flavor is uh pronounced yeah enhanced and so art asked you know could you give us some food hacks yeah other things like Mm -hmm. that and you know rather than just giving a list of things to do i thought let's talk about what some of the principles are and then everyone all the listeners can kind of develop their own food hacks from that idea so you know for example if you know a little bit about the science of food things generally get softer when the temperature goes up sure. sugar based things so i wanted my skittles to be softer you want to heat them microwaves are a great way to do that flavors are also more pronounced when they're warmed because you know the the, the compounds that we recognize in our nose and our sense of smell this flavor starts in in the liquid part of the food and then it turns into a gas it kind of volatilizes as we say in the food business and then it goes up your nose and you smell it. Well, as you raise temperature to a point, you increase that volatility and you make the flavor odor more pronounced. And so the flavor seems stronger. You take that too far, you cook it too much, you drive it all away. So okay. there's, there's a little bit of a sweet spot there. So if you think about, oh, I want my Skittles to be softer, I want the flavor to be more pronounced, you mm-hmm. can understand why heating them a bit would do that yeah and so i and you were like 15 seconds or something yeah yeah. you know this is like a a handful (laughs) i had a giant thing of skittles that i bought at the club store and so i just took a little bit put them in a small bowl shot it in the microwave 15 seconds don't go too far you'll melt them and um they'll be scattered skittles i find them to be better i've some people have said they don't they still don't like them but some people have said it's really good jay fired up the old radar range and uh 
Yeah. I think he uh, liquefied them. All right, so let's take a step back. George, you worked for General Mills. I did. I worked for General Mills uh, about five years before I went off on my own. I did product development. I am a food scientist by training. Also did some consumer research kind of work there. I think today, more calling on my food science experience there to help people understand what are some of the things that a product development scientist is faced with when he's making a new product, and what does that do for you as a consumer in terms of the kind of products that you get, and maybe what are some things you can do to make the food a little bit better for your personal taste? So we talked about we talked about a tomato sauce, a canned spaghetti sauce right, over lunch. Right. So walk, walk us through that. That was fascinating. Well, you know, there, there are a, a few factors when you're developing a new product that you have to account for as a, as a product development scientist. Uh-huh. One of the, the top ones is cost. You know, you've yeah. got this product in the store selling for a certain price. The ingredients can only cost so much of that. Right. And so where you may want to put in a little extra cheese or a little extra basil, you just can't afford to do that with mm-hmm. the parameters of the product. So uh, if you're thinking about, gee, I really want a little more cheese or basil, if you have some in your refrigerator and throw it in, that can make a big difference and say, wow, this is a mm-hmm. lot better. Why didn't they do that when they were making it in the factory? Well, it would have put the cost a little bit too high. Whereas you may not mind the extra 10 cents worth of cheese you put in wouldn't, wouldn't have been possible when yeah. we were making so it. When you extrapolate across mass, uh, mass production and mass distribution, 10 cents per unit adds up to be pretty, mm-hmm. pretty right. huge. Right? And, and some people you know may not want that. Yeah. Kind that's of, the thing you've got to find, I guess what the largest number of people will accept or desire and then stay there with the idea that they can always add to. It's easier to add to than right. it is to take out. Okay. Almost a lowest common denominator type. Well, of you yeah. know, broad appeal. Broad I appeal. like to yeah, call sure. it. So sure. they, in that, that's kind of the second part. So cost is one. Some things aren't put in food because you can't afford it, but it might be easy for the consumer at home to add that. They yeah. just don't think to do it. Yeah. The I, second that, one because is. Because that's something you tend to think, okay, this comes out of the can this way. This comes out of the box this way. And I know people that do doctor that stuff. And they just go, well, this is what you get. But Yeah, you, you don't need permission to experiment with yeah. that. And, you know, a lot of times if it doesn't say you can do it on the package, people are afraid to experiment. Right. Absolutely. Okay. But that's a great way to to make your food mm-hmm. cater to your taste so, better. So what would you do with the tomato sauce? We talked basil, Parmesan. Yeah, but, I mean, but the second thing is this broad appeal. Okay, piece, sure. Yeah. You know, because when I'm formulating in a, a company in Minnesota, it's got to be appealing to someone in California, someone in Massachusetts, someone in Mississippi, right? Those, there may be regional differences in flavor. And so Mm -hmm. think about what you personally may like that may be what we would call polarizing in, in the food business. So I love pine, I love pine nuts on pizza. Yeah. Sure. You're not going to find a lot of frozen pizza with pine nuts on it. A, they cost a lot. B, not everybody likes them. So Hmm. I throw some pine nuts out of my freezer on my frozen pizza before I put it in the oven. I've got something that to me is better may not be better to art or to you Robbie but so you think about what do you like that's not maybe broadly appealing but you can customize for uh, products off the the grocery store shelf to make them better for you Mm -hmm. Um, you know it may not sound like uh, it takes a genius to do that but people just don't think to do it I know we used to have tips on hamburger helper boxes you know put black olives in the lasagna flavor it's like wow why don't people just know to do that a lot of people don't know until you remind them well they feel they feel constricted by the instructions on the package and you don't want to deviate and sometimes it's just a hey we want to get it out and get it done right 
you know, a handful of chopped walnuts in a brownie mix is really good. If you like nuts in your if brownie. If you like nuts uh-huh. in your brownie, not allergic, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some things uh, where pizza makers or pe- uh, frozen pizza, they'll take those and say, look, this is just because it came, at, it came to you this way. It doesn't mean you can't add you know, something to it. So you kind of use that as a starting point. Exactly. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, how do you find that? Is it market research? Is it focus groups, whatever to find kind of where that, uh, the broad appeal is? Well, we do a lot of testing. Uh You know, we, we do initially focus groups for the idea. Do people like it? Talk to them. But then after we make, uh, samples in the development process, we'll call groups of people together and they'll try the product and they'll kind Uh of vote which one do they like the best. And and you over time refine the product to where it appeals to the most number of uh, the greatest number of people. What else do you have to look at? You mentioned cost. Well, then there's also just the things that you need to do to food to keep it safe on the shelf for the shelf. You know, lots of times something is going to be in the grocery store for 12 months to two years um, a lot of times you heat food. So the spaghetti sauce example, you know, that, mm-hmm. that sauce is heated to kill microorganisms that would spoil the food. Right. That heating takes some of the flavor away from, from the seasonings. They just don't hold up to the heat. So if you have fresh basil at home yeah. and you put it in spaghetti sauce, it's going to taste a lot better than basil that was in that sauce going through the processing, sitting on a shelf for two years. And so the idea that you can add things that are fresh at the time of preparation that just would be impossible to do when the food was manufactured because it just wouldn't last through the shelf life of the food. Yeah. So you mentioned expiration dates. So how hard and fast are expiration dates on food? You know, it depends on the product. Most things, the food would be safe to eat beyond the expiration date. The date is just the best buy date when the flavors may not be as good. And so the, the manufacturer says, we're not going to say that this would meet our standards beyond this date. Right. Now, there are certain foods, though, that like uh, fresh meat, for example, sure. that is more prone to spoilage. Yeah. And so those dates are a little bit, you know, even even those can flex a little bit. But I'm much more hesitant to eat uh, a fresh chicken, for example, yeah. sure. after the expiration yeah. date than I would be a box of cereal. And there's cook-by and freeze-by dates on certain things, too. So right. Kinda, so yeah. what about a canned soup? I mean, is that kind of an indefinite hold from a safety standpoint? From a most- safety standpoint, soup can can last a long time. There may be some spoilage bacteria that grow in you know, tomatoes, for example. They're not going to make you sick, but they'll spoil the food yeah, over, the food over long good. periods mm-hmm. of time. Uh, dry stuff, you know, like seasonings, spices, those can last for years, but the flavor sure. is just not going to be there. You right. know, okay. if, you, if you have spices... Keep them in a dark, cooler place. I, a lot of people have their spice rack right over their stove, which is a terrible place because the heat from the <laughs> oven and the stove. Let me the, call the, Becky real quick. The yeah, hotter you keep those things, the faster the chemical reactions yeah. take place that degrade the flavoring compounds yeah. in food. What about keeping your spices in the freezer? That, if you have space, lots of things, not just spices, but the freezer is a great friend to preservation. So, um, Keeping flour, keeping, if you have nuts, things that are prone to oxidizing that have fat in them, like walnuts or pine nuts that I mentioned before, keeping those in the freezer will extend their shelf life considerably. Also, uh, vacuum packaging some of those things. A Mm -hmm. lot of the the chemical reactions that make food taste bad require oxygen. If you pull the air out, you deny the oxygen for those, those compounds to react with. And so that can also help to extend the shelf life. But a lot of times if it's a microorganism doing the spoilage, you know, freezing would kind of put it in a state of suspended animation, uh, canning it, heating it would kill it. 
but uh, you kind of need to know what you're doing. So yeah. if you're going to can food at home, especially food that doesn't have a lot of acid in it, you really want to make sure you consult with a reputable resource to, to know what it takes to make it safe. Yeah. So if you're doing something like a tomato canning, it has a lot of uh, native acidity anyway, so you're in pretty good shape. It with requires the- less heat to make sure. it safe. And also the kind of organisms that grow in those foods are much less dangerous than the kind of organisms that grow in foods that don't have acid, like potatoes or corn or, or green beans. Let me oh, wow. ask you a question on the flip side, talking about um, you know things that aren't as specialized because they have to have broad appeal. Why is there a different type of soft drink for <laughs> for every possible taste and flavor? Is it because it's so much easier to produce or so much uh, cost-effective to actually throw a few you know, you've got a, a diet version of everything, then you've got one with like um, cherry or, you know, vanilla flavoring added to it. Is it something because because it is so so flexible? I think it's where uh, the number of possibilities would be endless. And so it, it would, you'd have to have so many different flavors to cater to, to every yeah. little preference. Uh-huh. However, I also think there's some cultural forces yeah. there. You know, every sure. culture needs something in common, you know. You're either a Coke person or a Pepsi person, but yeah. all other people that drink the kind you drink, you kind of feel a sense of a comradeship yeah. with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there are certain categories where people want to share the same yeah. brand, the same flavor. You know, I think when we talked about cereal, that's a category where there's a ton of variation. Yeah. Because cereal is something people use to kind of represent their personality. Remember mm-hmm. we talked about your cereal is like your friend. Exactly. And you want yeah. to pick that friend to be someone that you like. And so category by category, the emotional connection people have with food often determine what is accepted. I mean, if, if consumers really wanted and were willing to pay for 50 different varieties of soft drink, I guarantee you they'd yeah. be out there. So I remember as a, as you know, growing up as a teenager, as fountain machines become more popular in convenience stores, you'd do what, you know, what we call a suicide yeah, exactly. where you, yeah. you'd get a little bit of each yeah. thing to make a, a mystery drink. Uh, I guess six, seven, eight years ago, Coca-Cola started the freestyle machines, which yeah. were, you, you had your base flavors of Coke, Diet Coke, what have you, root beer, but you had a variety of flavored syrups, so you yeah. could get a vanilla Coke or a vanilla Diet Coke. And if you open one of those machines up, it's almost like printer ink cartridges. Yeah, that that's exactly in. what it's like. Yeah. And, and you know, I've wanted one of those machines forever to here, here, have here at the shop. Uh, Coke still doesn't sell those machines. They just lease them, and apparently they're fairly difficult to work on. They're not at the McDonald's ice cream machine level of difficulty. Yeah. But once one goes down, it's it's days before they're back in yeah. operation. Yeah, yeah. so the yeah. freestyle machines are great. So. Uh, that's funny, though, because my, uh, Drew, we went somewhere. It's been... Year or two ago now, and I did that where I got <laughs> made my suicide of all the different drinks. He goes, "What are you twelve? <laughs> Love your stories like that." Yeah. Well, <laughs> let so, me live, son. Let me live. Yeah, don't have much longer. <laughs> Just let me enjoy the life I have. Enjoy what I can. So you've drained all the fun from my life. Wow. <laughs> so back to the food spoilage thing. You know, uh, delivery services for food have become the end thing now. Gold Belly has been. Very, very popular where they're taking regional cuisines, they're 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 dropping dry ice in. We're big fans of Lou Malnati's pizza in Chicago. Um, and so we've ordered multiple of their pies. Uh, I think it was maybe it was over Thanksgiving, right after it gotten cool, um, and they we ordered, I guess, five or six pies from them. They were shipped on dry ice. 
well, thank you, COVID, they got kind of delayed by a yeah. day or two. And when we got them in, the driest was completely gone. They were cool, but yeah. they weren't they they weren't cold or frozen. And so called Lou and in his called Lou directly, uh, but called the the office customer service for the for the deliver for for the pizza company, and they immediately shipped out stuff next day. Well, we got to look at it and said, okay, if it's cold. Uh, we're probably in pretty good shape. We immediately froze. We kept, I think, everything except maybe one. We baked it off, and they were great. So with delivery services, if dry ice is gone, I mean, if you're getting food in, have you got anything to, to any pearls of wisdom from a delivery standpoint well, if it, you're getting food in? It's hard to say because there's so many different kinds of food that sure. can be delivered. And there's also you know, the liability for these companies. The guy sent you more pizza because even if his pizza were perfectly safe to eat and he sure. knew it, the cost to him of sending you a new one is so low compared, compared with to, the yeah. liability if something goes wrong. That's a good point. And so if you think about a pizza, you know, the crust is bread. It can yeah. sit on the shelf. As long as it's not molded, probably going to be okay. The sauce generally is an acidic tomato sauce. That should be fine. The cheese has enough low moisture. You know, cheese generally molds before it gets to something harmful. Most cheeses that are on pizza. Sure. You know, maybe some of the toppings, if there were a meat topping, but a lot of those commercial products, the meat toppings even are, are heat treated so mm -hmm. that any pathogenic bacteria are going to be gone before they're put on there. That being said, even me now, it's like, I'm not going to tell the listeners of guys of a certain age to eat <laughs> food that's not been properly stored because the first time someone gets sick, they're going to be mad at me. That's right. And so you generally find or, people or, taking a... Or Jay Reed. Or Jay. Right. Sorry, yeah. sure it was sorry Ms. Guy, Reed. Jay would. Yeah, that's right. But you're going to find people taking really conservative approaches yeah, sure. to that. As, uh -huh. as they should. Yeah. But a lot of times, uh, certainly the best buy date for flavor, mm -hmm. don't, throw, don't throw good food away because it's a month beyond that date yeah the, general, most, the first question when my wife asks is this okay is there mold on it is uh -huh. the first question i'll ask <laughs> how uh -huh. does it smell uh, how smelling does it is have? what we always yeah now you like, can't there there are some spoilage organisms that do not generate a bad smell so yeah, i mean it's yeah. not a not under, always smell but if it does smell yeah, bad you're going generally yeah. you're not going to you're not going to enjoy it even if it is safe yeah but um <laughs> well, but yeah. there's the more you learn about food and, and the science of, of preserving food, yeah. the more you understand about what things can go beyond the date and what things you yeah. might want to, to be more careful. Yeah, that's about. what in making pizza, you know, my latest kind of obsession, you know, I'll buy stuff in bulk and then go, well, dang, this stuff is probably bad by now. So, you know, you wonder, uh, do you need to freeze it? Do you need to kind of split it off and freeze it and those things? Um, you know, pepperoni, you think, gosh, doesn't that just stay forever? But it doesn't. No. Yeah. We'll, we'll freeze. One of the things that we'll do with pizza are we'll get a five pound bag of, of shredded Mott's mozzarella uh -huh. from, from Sam's or somewhere. And Bonnie will uh, take um, uh, sandwich bags or pint yeah, bags that's what, and divvy it up and then what, freeze it. Yeah. That's what we're starting to do too. And you can freeze the, you know, the tomato sauce as well if you want to. But uh, and, and at some point I think what we'll do is probably get away from the mass stuff and start doing, you know, uh, a little bit fresher stuff, maybe do our own tomato sauce or whatever. We'll follow up with that someday. Yeah, we should. I mean, yeah. I, we really need to do a pizza bake-off. We do need to do that, yeah. And, I mean, depending on what you're going to do with the product, freezing can damage the texture, but if you're yeah. going to put the strawberry in a in a cup of yogurt, yeah. not quite the same as if you're eating that whole berry fresh. Right. Yeah. So yeah. freezing for things that are going to be baked on top of a pizza, yeah. 
probably yeah better than if you're eating it a cheese board yeah. for example yeah. and, and sometimes you can get away with lesser quality ingredients if you're going to do, do a bake off like that mm-hmm. right i mean you know so you don't need hand cured pepperoni you know if you're going to bake the grease out of it you know anyway on a pizza you could probably get by with a little bit more of a store brand. Subtle flavors are often damaged by heat anyway. Yeah. That's ah. uh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So you need to be doing raw pizza hard to get the ah. true flavor. Ah. Raw pizza. Raw pizza. Yeah. The sushi pizza is what yeah. I usually start doing. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I started to combine those words and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. But uh <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mrs. Reed. <laughs> sorry to everybody for that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway. Um, that's fascinating stuff though, George. So, uh, main thing is don't be afraid to experiment with some of this don't stuff. Don't be afraid to experiment and think about, you know, there are certain things that do cost a lot of money for a food manufacturer to put yeah. in things like cheese or nuts uh-huh. or fruit. And if you like fruit in your yogurt and what you're buying doesn't have enough, I mean, throw in a little, even if it's a j- jam, you know, out of a jar. Did y'all do the bananas and <laughs> cereal? Was oh it? yeah, I mean, not really. Yeah. You didn't really do that I occasionally, went, but but I mean that was kind of a big, not a big thing. It was like Ooh, excitement, but uh, <laughs> but that was something that you just did because a lot of times, it, you know, our, our cereal that we were getting was something that didn't have much soup to it. So well, you'd cut up a banana, and there's in. no way I can deliver the the impact no. of a fresh banana in a box of cereal no, at if, any price. If you get something now, it's a dried banana, yeah, and it's just not the same. That experience. costs ten times as much as a fresh banana. as a fresh banana. So when you do thing. bananas in like a cornflakes and non pre sweetened yeah, cereal, not, not usually not usually in Lucky Charms or Captain Crunch, yeah. but uh, yeah, like cornflakes especially, just something that kind of you know you like okay as it is. But it just gave it, you know, something extra to yeah. it. And strawberries or blueberries too, you know, and that kind of stuff. But corn checks and banana, that's still a favorite. Yeah, that's or good stuff. Plain Ooh. Cheerios and banana. Oh man. Yeah. Anything that kind of has that They have banana Cheerios, but to me it's just not, not as good same. as a fresh banana yeah. that costs me bananas are cheap. Yeah. And yeah. you have them in the stores all yeah. the time. Yeah. So one of the things that I got, uh, I have not eaten grape nuts in years, in years, and years. Grape, that's not a, that's a General Mills product. That's a post product. It's a post product. Sorry, maybe, <laughs> maybe crossing the line here with George. Sorry, Dr. Abad. Yeah, sorry, Dr. <laughs> Abad. Okay. But anyway, I was down with a little bit of sickness back at the beginning of the year and just had this craving for grape nuts. My hack for grape nuts is, and it's not that much of a hack, put a little milk on it, microwave it for about, mm-hmm. uh, a minute 15 and then put some brown sugar on it and it becomes a hot cereal yeah. at that point a completely different product than break your teeth grape nuts wait yeah. till you try them with skittles uh, <laughs> grape nuts and skittles oh jay's yeah. going up that now <laughs> yeah he's gonna like he's making he's making jay up. there's gonna be a test when you come right. back just whether this episode's dropped by the time we you know, do another podcast. All right. Any other cool you know, food things? There's one other thing I want to say, and, and this may be a bit controversial because this is a bit of a controversial ingredient. But Pineapple and pizza? I read so many things on online about the steps people will take to make their steaks taste better. Mm-hmm. They'll take fish sauce. They'll take cheese. They'll take mushrooms and cook them down. And basically what they're trying to do is to extract monosodium glutamate uh-huh. from products that naturally contain those. Well, why don't you put MSG, monosodium glutamate, on the food? Because people are afraid. They've heard rumors and, sure, and stories yeah. that it's terrible. No science has proven a link for the vast majority of people between MSG and headaches or any any of the syndromes that it's responsible for. If you look at cultures in Japan, 
other Asian countries, they eat a lot of MSG on all their cooking. When I went over there one time to Japan, we were talking with a major producer of MSG about a substitute for MSG. And this guy was so puzzled. I mean, he was he was as big as a sumo wrestler. He was wearing this. He was a big, high-level VP. And he goes, I don't understand. MSG is good. Why would you yeah, want to take it out? It? And it's just something in our culture. We've we've demonized mm-hmm. MSG. But some of the people in current uh, culinary thinking are coming around to the fact that, you know, MSG may not be a bad thing to right. add. One little hack, if you put a little bit of MSG, sprinkle it on, it's a, you find it most commonly as ax, the product accent in your yeah. grocery store. Okay. A little bit of MSG on your popcorn, it is yes. amazing uh-huh. what it does for popcorn. Yeah, and so stuff. that's just a and little it, hack that people are afraid to try MSG. But it salts for, it much better than trying to put salt on it. You can actually, I mean, mm. you still need a little bit of salt, but yeah. you can actually lower the sodium content. Even though MSG mm. contains sodium, yeah. It accentuates the flavor enough to where you can end up lowering the total sodium content of a product. But consumers are so afraid of MSG, we've taken it out of a lot of our food products. It seemed to have been a late '80s, early '90s craze. When we worked in, when I worked in Memphis, and we did uh, food labels for Brian Foods and everything else, everything had monosodium glutamate in it. And I mean, we'd sit there, we'd do our proofing thing, and monosodium glutamate was always in there. There's a James Bond, You Only Live Twice, where he's talking to the guy, and he's there <laughs> pretending to be a buyer, and he's ordering, I need vast quantities of monosodium glutamate. <laughs> so it's cool hearing Sean Connery, who's talking about monosodium glutamate? MSG. That's the only thing I know he's mentioned. Now, you know, food companies have been accused of using it as a substitute for higher quality, higher cost ingredients, and true, that, that may be the case, but... When it's used to enhance flavor, it does an amazing job. It is really a nice uh, addition to your arsenal of, of seasonings. And if it doesn't bother you as an individual, then there's no reason why you can't use it. And the number of people that are sensitive to MSG are a lot less than people believe. Okay. So accent is a common is That's a common the, MSG. Probably on. the easiest way to find it in your grocery. So uh, in a steak prep, what would you do? Would you do it before you grill? Put it in, in lieu of salt and pepper. Well, or? I you know I salt my meat about an hour ahead of time, sure. and so when I do that, I sprinkle a little MSG on the steak and and let it sit, and then I grill the steak after that. Salt. So I still salt it. Mm-hmm. But I can use less salt. But even if I don't want to use any less salt, the MSG enhances just the beefiness, the, sure. the meaty okay. flavor of, of or in a soup or a stew. It works. It's really amazing what it can do. So how do you prepare your steak? Well, I tend to – I live in Minnesota. So in the summer, I like to grill it just because it's less mess in the kitchen. Sure. Um, I'll salt it, and then I'll grill it. I add pepper and anything like that after the fact. In the wintertime, I tend to do it in a cast iron skillet sure. on the stovetop. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll finish it in the oven. Sometimes I'll just keep doing it on top of the stove. In that case, I will often throw in a clove of garlic, a little bit of butter, and sure. some rosemary and, and do the spooning over. You know, there are yeah. a million YouTube videos you can basting. find. Yeah. The basting, yep. We, uh, we got a Blackstone uh, flat top over Christmas, and Marcus just used it quite a bit and there's nothing like a a a hot high temperature piece of carbon steel to sear the meat to and uh, his steak's been great a little bit of salt fresh pepper cracked pepper on it you know just flip it side to side a lot like a cast iron and pizza too you know a lot of people are pizza you tend to think of the stones for pizza a yeah. lot of people now are using big flat pieces of steel yeah really you get a pizza, get a pizza yeah. steel instead of a pizza stone yeah. yeah well you know for a pizza stone just go to your local uh, big box hardware store and mm-hmm. get an unglazed ceramic tile mm-hmm. for 99 cents 
or maybe fifteen dollars yeah. now. Uh, but, but the yeah. steels don't crack. That's what they say. But you've got to have a, a you, the thicker ones are better, and they just can be kind of heavy. They're <laughs> heavy, and you know they soak up a lot of heat. Yeah. So, but the whole idea there is for even distribution of heat to get to the crust. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't you wouldn't cook a pizza on a on a flat top griddle because you have no top heat. To, to to take care of your toppings because yeah. it's only a one way heat up, right? Right. right. So I mean, you right. can Unless cover you the put top. some kind of dome on the top. I've I've uh, read about people that like to reheat pizza in a cast iron skillet. I've put, yeah, put a little foil on the uh-huh. top to get enough heat up there, and that that really We've does a good before. job of kind of bringing the texture of the crust back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, and sometimes if you want to elevate that pizza an inch off and put a little bit of water in the cast iron to get a little bit of moisture in you're not soaking the pizza in water but you're kind of rehydrating with a little bit of steam that works well too so yeah there you there you go we'll have to have you back to talk pizza maybe you can be a part of the uh, pizza bake-off tomorrow we can reheat the pizza that we're making tonight okay jay i'm not invited either (laughs) sorry is there leftover pizza is that not not when i'm invited yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's right uh, yeah. So, do you like cold pizza, George? I am a hot pizza guy. I like cold pizza. I too. love cold yeah. pizza. It's something about the sweetness and the acidity of the mm-hmm. uh, of the tomato sauce as it as it kind of cures overnight. But for me, I've got to eat it the next morning because it's going to dry out probably mm-hmm. you know fourteen to eighteen hours past when you yeah. get it in. It's the next day kind of thing. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Now, do either of you have a food hack that's not normal? You know, that, that most people you don't think wouldn't do. Kind of like my Skittles in the microwave thing. What do you guys do that you think may be kind of odd or unique to you? Well, you know, so uh I've gotten where if I'm gonna reheat something, I almost never reheat in the microwave anymore. Uh, I'm going to take a, a nonstick skillet and like if I'm reheating fajitas or something like that, instead of throwing it in the microwave, I'm going to add a little bit of liquid and I'm going to reheat heat in the skillet. Um, so that's kind of one of the things I do. I found that if you've got an air fryer, let's say you've got uh, you've got Mexican uh, you've got tortilla chips from a Mexican restaurant the night before. You put it in the air fryer for about 20, 30, 40 seconds. That heat reactivates the oils. It gets warm. I mean, maybe up to a minute and a half. It, it's great. The air fryer is really... Um, it's 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 a neat device. I mean, it's a concentrated convection oven at the end of the day. Yeah. It's not really an air fryer per se. Yeah. Um, one of the things I did this last weekend, we got a great rack of ribs from a place in Ackerman called Sonny's, and uh, we only ate half that rack of ribs. And so kind of the same sort of thing. It had been in the refrigerator overnight, um, and so I had it in foil. I put a little water in the bottom of that foil, tinted it, heated it in the oven, so rehydrate it somewhat. So I've gotten where I use water to kind of rehydrate food, not to soak it in, but to get a little bit of steam around. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, works like a pretty steam, well. Yeah, like a yeah. steam oven kind of thing. I don't know if that's a hack or not. but Mine comes from, it's a very, very simple thing. I'm sure you've all done it being dads, but usually, you know, it's born of necessity and it's become something I like to do. You get down and there's you know, two or three cereal boxes left, none of which have enough cereal for a full bowl. <laughs> so you combine them and, you know, it's kind of neat to see what cereals work well it's together. Suicide for, yeah, it's suicide cereal. It's suicide cereal. Cereal suicide. Do you have yeah. a favorite combo? Gosh, probably just whatever is there. I do like uh, Raisin Nut Bran a lot. And so I... Because he's a guy of a certain <laughs> Because, yeah, because, you know, <laughs> that and... Uh, so, so that was something like life... Or whatever that just kind of you know I don't know yeah those are good 
We don't. We just don't eat much cereal in our house anymore. I'm a big cereal. That's what I eat for breakfast every morning. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, I hate to say that there are no General Mills cereals right now in there, but uh, we're going to work on that. I, yeah. I, I we'll would, go to the grocery store. I would swear by Cheerios. Was Cheerios a General Mills? It truck? is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was still number is. one cereal brand in the U.S. Yeah, and so, we have Cheerios a lot. And Cheerios is a, Cheerios is one that will mix with that too. Again, it's kind of the idea of the banana. You're getting the the kind of sweet stuff from the raisin nut brand. And then you're, I don't know, maybe diluting a little bit with the, <laughs> stretching it somewhat. Yeah. Were you around General Mills when Honey Nut Cheerios was developed? That was before my time. Was it? But not too long before. But so yeah. what, what made them get to a Honey Nut flavor? Do you, you know anything about the backstory of? Uh, not, not a lot. You I mean, they, because, you know, for years it was just Cheerios, then you had Honey Nut, then you've got 18,000 different varieties yeah, now, just yeah. like everything else. But, you know. It is a brand that's proliferated quite a bit in more recent times. Yeah. But Honey Nut and, and the Yellow Box, as we used to call it, they were partners for a long time. Those were the only yeah. ones. And then multi-grain Cheerios came out. Yeah. And then they did a Millennials. Do you remember those? I remember and that. They had a two in the O's for two thousand. Yeah. At the, when when we flipped over in the new millennium, and uh, then Frosted was kind of the. That was yeah, a hot thing there it, for a while. You know, it raised a lot of eyebrows. Can you put sugar on Cheerios? Cheerios are so pure. Yeah. But, um, what is there an apple? <clears throat> Cheerios, it's kind of like an cinnamon. Yeah, it's kind of like an Applejack a little bit. And these, I mean, there's even pumpkin spice Cheerios. Yeah, so so there's pretty. If you can think of a fruit, yeah, it's on probably on Cheerios these days. All right, well. Not to leave anybody a bad taste in anybody's mouth. So that's that was fun, George. You got to come back. Well, I've, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me in. We and, have a lot. We will try to have Jay here next time you're here. Yeah, I want to hear. Yeah, I'm I, I, sorry I didn't bring a lot of more specific hacks, but I think with the I've, principles I talked no, no, about, I think that's good. I'd love to hear what you come up with. You, you know, know, what are you going to add extra to your food to make it more personal to you and to maybe jack up the flavor? Or if you like nuts in your brownies, put a little more, and, and I think you'll enjoy it even more. So the MSG hack is definitely something with steaks. I'm going to talk to Mark about I don't know. I think we may have some accent. So I never knew that accent was essentially MSG. It's what it is. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. All right. All right, George, thanks for joining thanks us. Thanks for having me. Maybe we'll have Jay next week if he wants to come back. Sorry, Mrs. Reed. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you guys later.